that's, that's I, trash. I, and yeah, there's a there's a big story there. So, speaking of Probably big stories, so. we're uh, we're live. Oh, good evening. We we um, are live tonight at midnight. D and D after dark. Jack Black were here. He'd go and air guitar. <laughs> I was just waiting for uh, for Levi to go full polymorph so he could go after the Frost Giants, but I was kind of disappointed in him for that. Oh, he didn't go Gorilla? <laughs> yeah, he didn't go Gorilla. I'm like, this is the perfect opponent to go Gorilla. <laughs> well, I'm working on wings for him, so... Chris uh, wings? Uh, well, um, so I can now alter all of you to add physical permanent enhancements. So a bunch of my spells are getting approved. And so if you guys want some upgrades, some physical upgrades, I can do that now. So we'll see what happens. Now, when you say physical upgrades, are we talking like Ron Jeremy or are we talking like, do, do you want to be, able to, you, well, that's a hardware software issue. And I don't know, uh, you know, I think you, you could make some different selections if hardware was your goal. So I'm, that's all I'm saying. So. I feel our family friendly rating. I feel that Ron Jeremy's upgrade has led to some poor personal decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Decisions, decisions were made. Nobody's happy. That's the nicest yeah. thing you can say. And there, and these, these are not decisions that he's done recently. What with going raping and all, you know, like his whole life is a series of bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, that probably covers it. Who knows? So back to the family-friendly rating. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> is this where I say shoot all leftist military officers now? Do I say it? Okay. Oh, and then I stepped all over it. Uh, yeah, I was I was totally not expecting him to be like, oh, what do you want? I'm like, oh, wait, wait, we get to choose? Well, so <clears throat> the best thing about a deity is the uh, opportunities that are <clears> – <throat> excuse me – that are often presented uh, when you do the right thing. Uh, keep in mind, we also have Teddy Ruxpin in my little magic jar. So Good. We're Torture gonna that mother. In, we're going to turn him into an awesome power source and plug him into something horrible, add a little electric lights for the castle. We can do some crazy-ass stuff with Teddy. So it'll be fun. Not and we sense. have a silver dragon that I'm going to carve up, and uh, one of you should eat his heart because uh, a dragon's heart is massively magical. You just have to have an awesome constitution. So uh, whoever does should eat that thing, and if you make the save versus poison, you get an amazing permanent effect. So I will say that uh, these sessions are watched by James after the fact because he's like, yeah, you got your avian finally because we <laughs> mentioned that last time. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. Thanks. And oh, then, of he, course, he, crossbow bolt out of nowhere just kills it. I'm like, oh. He, he knows I'm going to, you know, I'm going to suck out all the blood. I'm going to carve up all the scales. I'm going to pull out the teeth. Dragon's teeth make soldiers so we can implant those into the ground. I have the spell that will turn them into warriors. It's crazy. Silver dragon teeth are fantastic. It's an instant army. So we'll have about 70 soldiers. <clears throat> yeah, fantastic good stuff that's coming from this thing. I'll harvest this puppy like going to a you know a, a Chinese uh, a Chinese uh, fisherman's wharf. Oh yeah, it's all good. Knight of Barsoom is saying on the chat that uh, he needs a death ray powered by Teddy Ruxpin. I know. Trying to figure out what to do with Teddy. I'm going to have to tap on that and, and torture the guy. I mean, uh, uh, interrogate him. A little so bit. what I think we need to do is we need to add an extension to the castle. I'm sure Walt can handle laying out the schematics for you. <clears throat> Just have a zoo and charge admittance with all the things you collect. Well, I've, well, so I've created the first spell 
I'm hoping he has not approved it yet, but I'm hoping if he approves it next time, uh, you'll be able to see what I did with the puddings. And uh, it is a vicious, brutal, outstanding spell. Mostly I'm in control of it. That's the nice thing I can say. Mostly. Um, <laughs> assuming if it works, but it'll be an amazing uh, group destroyer and massive demoralizer of low-level troops against them. So I'm going to try that out next time if I get, uh, if I get uh, an approval on it. Yeah, and now we have a marriage by alliance with Asgard, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, That's going to cool. be super handy. We can trade for their arrows, which do 1d10. Asgardian arrows are awesome. They're always magic. Um, or, or could she teach our our uh, Doom Guard how to make them? Because they're all weapons proficient as far as manufacturing. I think the problem is they're made by something that has a larger base natural strength than we do. Um uh. So that's issue one. Issue two is we can probably upgrade all your men to Asgardian, <clears throat> Asgardian armor. I mean, there's a bunch of things we can trade for. We want their vegetables. We want some of their trees. There's their lumber. We can get some great things with a good trade alliance. We got some of their horny horses. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> so unicorn horses, um, we get two major benefits from uh, the effect of them uh, grazing in the area. Uh, what they'll do to our landscape, how they actually affect. So, and I'm not sure what he means by evil. I, I don't quite get that. Is he inferring that there is an evil version of a unicorn and that's what the black ones are? So, no, he, he's implying that that's how the townies view it, not necessarily that that is, in fact, reality. Right, because the unicorn, by definition... No, he was just saying that the black... Well, yeah, but he was saying the black ones were males and the white ones were females. Right. Okay, so that part I got. But he also said we would be viewed as evil. And I don't mind being viewed, but uh, we can take advantage of some amazing unicorn powers. And you can never get drunk. They, uh, de uh, they're a natural detoxifier. So that's pretty cool. Could have used Man, I could use that in my... I was going to say I could have used those as my infantry days. I might have kept my corporal the first time instead of the third. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> Oh, the COVIDs are killing me. <clears throat> so, well, well, I can't, uh, I can't continue those uh, uh, erroneous ways there, Knight of Barsoom, because, well, now, now Lance Scorpio is married, and uh, with Odin as a father-in-law, that just gets ugly he's, if he gets in trouble. He's going to be married. That's true, and uh, he'll bust your balls. Uh, oh, I forgot to show this when Arrow was on. So here, wait a minute. Check this out. Looking. Hang on, I gotta turn it on. Oh I'll, I'll, I'll look. I'll look when I get back from my. I'm just coming into the neighborhood. I was out getting sushi. No, hang on. I, I, was gotta, a I got my uh, thing on. Uh, and I was get... getting a time massage. It was... <laughs> yeah, I got everything. I ate all the things. That's fantastic. <laughs> what? Oh, the... that's awesome. Is it a? Uh... Oh wow! Holy Cthulhu! So it's a Cthulhuan dice box. And uh, it has some secret compartments in it, and it's classic. So nice. So the uh, did a fantastic the, job. That is glorious. The chat was actually suggesting when uh, Nick broke James that uh, we might end up facing Cthulhu in powered armor. <laughs> the, 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 the good news is we would there wouldn't even be a session. <laughs> Just uh, Cthulhu surfing is game over. <clears throat> Captain Kogosa wants to know if Nick's uh, violating curfew by being out that late. Oh. Look, his his probation officer is very generous on uh, recording days. They, they've got a whole thing with Hollywood. It's okay. 
Uh, I'm starting uh, event 19, so I'll have that sheet done hopefully in the morning. Um, uh, there's quite a bit of notes. I have you know pages of notes, so it'll take a while to get some of this stuff down. Um, some interesting things. Well, I haven't actually okay. updated my experience. I haven't uh, actually updated my. Ex Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't actually updated my experience for like three sessions. <laughs> well, right. So one thing I was saying before you got on is. I'm. Uh, I had made uh, when when you're ready to audit. I made an experience sheet so you can plug things in accurately. But I'm actually going to make a okay. master one for all of you guys, so that the experience flows from the event sheet. Because I don't think you guys are calculating everything or reading all the details where there's some extra little kibble that you get here and there, and that stuff adds up. I actually, mine won't be correct because when we were in the last dimension, James did the whole every. So you get XP when you get the coins. And then after the session, if I turn around and tie that, I get XP again, so I could double dip by just donating to Anubis. Man, that guy got rich off me. Uh, but that obviously doesn't work that way because I grew too quickly. And, uh, and now, of course, that I'm back to normal, <laughs> everyone's catching up. Well, but but you, so so when I take a look at my numbers for you, right. you're, you're uh, easily in 10th level. So we need to, that's what I'm saying, we need to recalc a bunch of numbers. Now, the toughest one to manage is Levi, because uh, James does not, uh, when he's drained him, and I think he's drained him three times. Um, <laughs> Poor guy. Poor he guy. Doesn't, he doesn't calc where in the experience level he's at. There's no discussion of that. And so uh, we need to go through that just to figure it out, because I think Levi uh, is easily positioned toward ninth level. It's just stuff we got to go through. So, so I actually hit ninth level today. Yeah, and I I, I think I count you at somewhere uh, in the first quarter of ten. So you're probably in a better position than you know. I mean, I wouldn't say no. That makes uh, James be able to have more fun with the monsters he throws at us. Well, he is. He's he's upgrading the monsters. Uh, you know. Uh, but that we were able to magic jar Teddy Ruxpin is very good because uh, I'm going to start using some of my bigger gems and start hauling in some great choice monsters that we can use for power sources. So that'll be very handy. What do you think Teddy Ruxpin is? Well, he, there's a bunch of different things that little bastard Care Bear could be. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry. I, I gotta, I'm just a little out of it. Um, uh, no, it's never not right to call <laughs> Care Bears bastards. I don't want to live in a world where you can't do that. So I, was the um, was that uh, armor the Forge guy? Was that Hephaestus the gods? Because we were going all no, no deity sorry. heavy. So he he has made it a bastardized version of Vulcan, a Crimson Hawk version of Vulcan. Please don't eat my paperwork. Hey, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I tell my kids that all the time. It's okay. Ugh, just. We put a new rug out to walk out to the hot tub, and now the cats have destroyed it in two days. So, yeah, you can't have nice things. Um, uh, so uh, he called him uh, Volant. And so because he's uh, the smith uh, parked on the rainbow, uh, I wrote down all the different things we found on the rainbow, and I have a good sense that we'll be able to, first of all, we can revisit these and do some simple quests and uh, go find Alice in Chains, go find Glory, 
you know, hook up some of these uh, ladies and um, cash in a couple more favors, which I think will go well. Um, because because Teddy was toxic, Teddy is more likely a pretty either either one of two things: an apparition or or a, a volatile undead thing. Um, and I think we'll be able to take advantage of him as a power source. Wait, so does this mean James is a rock fan? Because there's a rock band named Alice in Chains. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I was just goofing around saying that. But yeah, Alice in Chains was a good rock band when, when I was a kid. Um, uh, How cool was that Ring of Three Wishes? How cool! Well, that's that's gonna that's gonna be a very valuable thing. That and I'm also arguing for experience for you for uh, facing down Prometheus. You didn't uh, give an award for that. And so I've asked for one. So. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, if they want to know what you're drawing. Uh, I don't know yet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm just making lines. I'm just making the lines. <laughs> I no, thought today but... was really interesting because did. Um, because you have James who wrote Deities and Demigods, and you have Errol, who's one of the most famous illustrators of it, having done the cover artwork, and then. It was basically James's sort of whimsical run through that book. Yeah, it was a well, lot of fun up there for sure. For well, sure. we we specifically told them because we thought um, we thought Terry was going to make it that we were looking for equipment for him, so we were going on the quest to get armor for him, and that's what started it. Yeah, I don't know where he kept saying like, "Oh, Nick wanted a rainbow thing," and I'm like, I have no memory of ever saying that. Yeah, he says that was a conversation you guys had last Monday. Um, nope. <laughs> now, if it was me, I would believe it because I can't tell you what this whole week is a blackout for me and I have to go get retested tomorrow. So that's just a nightmare. Yeah. Last Monday, I was knee deep in finishing a novel and typing the end. Congratulations. That's worth yeah. a lot. That's it was, it was, it was a novel that had been <clears throat> dogging me and like I was having kind of, uh, sort of like a lot of stress and I don't usually get stressed, but it was a deadline. And then like when I hit it, I said, okay, I'm playing for the rest of the week. You know, I've just done nothing but like shoot guns, get massages, uh, enjoy Nicole's company and long lunches. It just sort of like just goof off all week. Cause I, I kind of fried a circuit trying to finish that book. <laughs> well, that's worth a lot. Um, yeah. That's going to be my first week in January because I'm breaking my brain trying to, to get my, my writing back to where it was to finish this one. You know, it's weird. You don't think writing a book will break you, but it, sometimes it does. I had like I – after I wrote The Savage Boy, which was the second book I had published, uh, or the first – yeah, with HarperCollins, uh, that book was so emotionally heavy that I got like extreme fatigue for like three months. Oof. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I could not kind of get it together. And I just took my time and kind of tried to come back to life. And, and I did, but it was really weird. Sometimes books really break you. Anyways, yeah. back to D&D. Back to D&D. So yeah. uh, is this going to be a friend of Prometheus that's going to show up in the in the session? Who? The book that you just finished. Oh, uh, no. This is a, uh, this, the book that I just finished is called Strange Company. And it's about uh, it's my homage to the Black Company, and it's about gotcha. it's about mercenaries in space. 
and uh, it just it was, but it was long. They wanted one hundred and fifty thousand words. Oof. It's 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 just a me project. I'm not doing it with Jason. And uh, yeah, you know, so you know, you, you just get it. But it's just not. You know, there's nothing nicer than hitting the end and sending it off to the editor. And then you can just kind of goof off. And Nicole got her new M4 this week, so we went shooting. Nice. We had a good time, man. Yeah, she's and it's fun. Well, it's you know, so it's not a really super sexy M4, as in no, it's not five five six or Blackout three hundred, but it's twenty two LR, which is way more fun. Yeah, you really shoot it all day long. All day long, and it it feels it just it just feels like a weapon of assassination. <laughs> it's just it's just you know it's oh just my. like puff 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 puff. You know, like ah, oh, this is this is really enjoyable. Yeah, and ammo and ammo is cheap for the twenty two LR when you can find it. Yeah, we so can that find was, it. yeah, that was fun. And if you like endorsement time, if you want, if you want a really good, you know, M four in twenty two LR, check out Tipman Arms. That's who you want to get. They they really make a good. They make an all aluminum upper and lower receiver. That's kind of hard to find in that model, and uh, it's a great little gun. So, uh, Walt, I understand this week you had us a, a sponsor. So when we think about sponsors going forward, what I'd like us to consider is someone that manufactures dice because we got to hook Levi up. His roles have been crap lately. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could get us like a sponsor, oh, of, already, you know. I already got that, bro. See, if, if you're looking at the <laughs> stream right now, I got my official Hazard Studio dice that are um, black and gold. I can get him a, co- a set of these, no problem. Well, there you go. <laughs> The, the hard part is that, like, letting Levi roll dice is, like, suddenly watching, some, like, you know, the guy in a simple mind work a chalkboard, you know. <laughs> well, he's using a computer no, a program. Yeah, yeah, beautiful mind. He's, like, you know, he's reasoning through the whole thing, and you're, like, come on. Like, I knew it was bad when even JR sort of gave him the hook. I'm, like, come on, speed it up. <laughs> so we'll I actually send sus- him a, we'll send him a dice tower for Christmas. Yeah, I suspect <laughs> Levi wrote the program that runs the dice too. <laughs> Glenn Cook, just as a, a quick aside before I forget, uh, Glenn Cook wrote a new Bad Company book, by the way. So yeah, nice. uh, I I I finished Soldiers Live. Yeah, exactly. And and I was good with it. I I'd, I'd come to where I wanted to come. I'd spent the better part of the, and I really, I really like the Black Company series, even though at points it gets really long. Oh my god, um, it just disconnects. But yeah, Soldiers yeah. Live was a great book. Port of Shadows is next. Can't figure out yeah. what that's going to be about, but Soldiers Live was a nice ending. Yeah, yeah, and it, and that's where I said, okay, I'm done. Then, I, then Walt recommended Kings of the Wild. Did you? Oh. Didn't you? Um, <laughs> maybe. You should. Yeah, you sent sent me a picture one time. You're like, oh, this book's really good. And and I'm into that now, and it's fun, but it's a bit of a bait and switch. Like you're sold, like the concept that you're sold is like, you know, four, you know, adventure, you know, hardcore mercenaries come out of retirement um, to go on one last mission, and you're like, that's badass. I'm into that. And it's it's a little, it, it verges a little too much into sort of like myth adventure territory. So I'm hoping it'll 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 get me back. But I, I like it. It's fun. It's just, I think I'm in grimdark mode right now, and it's a little light. <laughs> okay. Did you read uh, Gibson's second series, the the books that started uh, after Virtual Light? I did not, no. I, I think I've only ever really read, I've read, 
I read one of his later novels, but like, you know, Neuromancer and Count Zero were enough to like, you know, but, but I don't think anything ever lived up to those two novels. No, for sure not. They are like almost no other books out there. Yeah, exactly. Well, Soda Pop Soldier. <laughs> Zing! Yeah. <laughs> Old Man in the Wasteland. Um, yeah, that's yeah. You know, uh, I gotta I gotta get back to some some wasteland stuff. I'm you know, the, but the thing that I now the project that I get back into and I'm really liking is is the one that Walt loves, which is Forgotten Ruin, which is literally you know like that's that's what we need the next game for, which it's really just U.S. Army Rangers playing Dungeons and Dragons for real, and uh, that I think that's that's like right now that's what I'm just dying to do more of and have fun with. I just it's fun finished listening because uh like uh, what i'll do is that when i get the file from you guys i'll usually just plug it into my phone yeah and uh i just finished listening to like the reworked version and mm-hmm. it was weird because like you you know i had almost like that inside track with right. uh with you guys the first time and it was very it, uh it was very inside of talker's head like you really felt like you know, he was the storyteller in the whole thing. And then yeah. um, this one's a little more, this version's a little more external. Um, yeah. But I like the, um, I like some of the things that were added, such as uh, some of the different creatures. Um, so there's a couple of different twists in like uh, uh, where I read it the first time, things kind of happen in a certain order and the order was kind of shifted a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it, it it, it's it's still it's totally rock star and i was weren't I was, you on serious pills the first time you read it though uh yeah i was on i was on some deep drugs maybe maybe yeah. that's why it was really personal you're like oh, you're so real yeah <laughs> i was oh my god yeah because that was just when my leg fell off so it was like yeah exactly so, was yeah like, holy cow but yeah it's, well, I, hope we, I hope it didn't get ruined no no it's 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 solid it's rock solid yeah that's 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 fun you know, it's like, like I said, that's a fun universe to play in because it's, it's, you know, I love, I love Galaxy's Edge. I love, you know, Strange Company, everything like that. But I think I've always really wanted to dive into fantasy and Forgotten Ruin was really kind of the first fantasy thing I did. And now I want to do more fantasy, but that's not always a smart thing for an author to do to leave your core audience. So I don't, I'm still going to write, you know, more GE, more Tyrus Rex, but fantasy is just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to read, a lot of fun to write. Because you do you do so much with it, you can you can play around a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so Shadow the Illustrator uh, uh, is in the chat right now, and uh, she was uh, the lady that played with us on that uh, the Veterans yeah. Day. Yeah, And was great. Uh, she did a map that she wants to. Um, uh, she did a map that uh, she wants us to use where. Um, uh, James chases us throughout the map um, with fire spiders. <laughs> I'm in. And now they're yeah now they're talking about it in the chat. That would yeah let's 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 send it to James and, and maybe we can do uh, uh you know yeah let, let's do let's do something. she she's a lot of fun I love her maps um yeah let's let's do it I think um I would like to get a map of of crimson hawk and kind of this i'd like to get a map of the surrounding area around our castle and kind of like you know the core the core mission initially was hey you're going to explore the the crimson hawk dungeon and then 
every two weeks, James is like, but I have a special mission for you. And, and away from the dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> um, which that's, today was that's... I was a little apprehensive today but today really did rock it was a lot of fun no he, he did a great job at, uh, and he he set up he set up a lot more because we just pissed off the titans so there's a whole epic campaign right there just from that well yeah he's he uh, set the table in a lot of uh, interesting directions that we can sort of chew on um I mean, that could be something that pops up on every adventure. Just, you know, you're about to get the death stroke on the fill in the blank baddie, and suddenly a titan appears and grabs your sword and breaks it or whatever. Shoot, I probably shouldn't say that. I'm giving him ideas. He didn't need your help. <laughs> I think I think the quandary from your character is how are you going to resolve your belief system with your new father-in-law? <laughs> like, how do how are you going to resolve your current belief system with your new father? Right, you are actually in a different. So you worship in a different pantheon than uh, these folks are, and so you're going to have to come to grips with. Well, that just because you believe Anubis is the your your chosen deity doesn't mean you can't acknowledge that other deities exist. I, I don't you know, in a, in a perfect in a perfect world where life didn't get crappy uh, at the end of Seinfeld, this would have made a great sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be, uh... you know, if they still made good sitcoms, you know, you'd be played by Jonathan Silverman and you're a paladin <laughs> of Anubis, and like they'd bring in like. They'd bring in like, oh, Sean Connery would have played. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and then they bring in some starlet, you know, like, let's say like that chick from Will and Grace, uh, Deborah Messing, and she'd play your, your Valkyrie. And then, you know, like, <laughs> and then every, every week you'd be like, it'd be like, it would be like the second series of Three's Company where it was just, it was just Jack and they got rid of the other two chicks. <laughs> A reminder so I don't forget for you, JR. Remember, you have spell reflection. Those spells shouldn't have touched you. Yeah, I saw the um, the ion, and I realized I didn't say anything. Well, I so was chatting you, uh, trying to get you to see that window. Um, well, I, we need a. We won't talk about it here, but we need yeah. a phrase that means check check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it for some reason. I think I'm going to uh, say beach ball, and that means I'm asking you to check check. So. And then, of course, every time you say that, James is going to be like, oh, they want to be Holder. <laughs> that's true. Maybe I'll say Crystal Skull, because that's pretty uh, obscure. Uh, but, let's, uh, let's, find a, let's find a military... Uh, oh, good. Flanking maneuver! We'll, we'll key in on the, yeah. Or just say, you know, like hard copy, and then that way we know. Do yeah, that, or, or just say Charlie Charlie for CC. Check chat. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's Check fine. chat. Charlie Charlie. So the, yeah, uh, he won't catch that. Luckily, I made all the saving throws, so it was a non-issue. But if I hadn't had that bless from you for the plus two, I, I probably wouldn't have made a made a few of them. Now, does that? Well, that was the hits. Can you use the bless? Because I didn't. It didn't come up. But no, it's, I, it's it's not actually a bless. What it's doing is it's allowing you to hit creatures that require magical weapons, and it's also giving you a temporary plus two on hitting and plus two on damage. Plus, it does elemental damage. So it was puzzling. He was shutting down a lot of things, and I think it's deliberately showing that the plane where these guys live follows different sets of laws and that's that's reasonable most planes do and he was making sure we understood that we didn't know how to uh plan for everything he wants to make sure that i can't plan for things so that's good 
So I, I think I made... you should. I, I think you should eat the dragon heart, Jr. <laughs> so I'm okay. We'll do it. I uh, I made the saving throws, but if I had had say I had to have a thirteen, if I had gotten a, a t- eleven, would that have plus two that you gave us to the hit and to damage have applied to the saving throw too? Um, unclear. The answer is maybe. Uh, it, it depends. So normally when you planar travel, your uh, abilities are stripped per plus depending on how many uh, distance points removed you are. The Rainbow Bridge could be argued as on or off property, so to speak, of the Prime Material Plane. It technically is above it, but it might still be connected enough that it doesn't remove a plus. So I was ready to argue that fact, but he was just kind of making my powers behave wonky. So I figured that was for fun, and that was fine. I didn't go into the argument. But he didn't give any of you guys the benefit of the spell, which was sort of disappointing. That's why you create spells, so that people can actually use them. And when I'm able to enhance the fighter set, you guys should get the benefit from all that money and research and time. So Well, you, we did get the plus two to hit and plus two to damage, which had its own value. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. That was that was worth value. And part of it was fun watching Arrow look and say, what the hell is all this stuff that you're casting? <laughs> yeah. so I, hey, and I get fever back, so I'm excited about that. Or do you? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he said, "I'm going to learn two new secrets about it." So that's Secret cool. This is where it becomes a pineapple cutter, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's you know. Well, I don't know. He said it's a purpose sword now, so that's interesting. Uh, yeah. He said uh, it's got to it's got to kill a cleric a week or something like that. Yeah, I purpose think, swords yeah. have so have two functions that make them uh, unique. One is that. They have a, a thing that triggers, and then they have a response to the trigger. And so hopefully the response is going to be major uh, bueno for you. The other thing is I would ask her to interpret the nature of the curse on the ring uh, and provide advice. And that way uh, Jim will trump himself having to uh, circumvent his own uh, curse. That <laughs> That'll break him again, and then it'll be like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, it's all good. I should be able to cast Legend Mode too, so that'll help us understand the nature of the curse. So, so Nick, your character can do the polymorph into the fro- no, the giant, right? The fire giant? Fire giant. Fire so giant. is that associated yeah. with the sword, the, sh- the sheath, or something else? Uh, the sword and the sheath seem to go hand in hand. So when the white wizard wanted the sword, he also wanted the sheath. So and but but the um, the the turning into a fire giant didn't come from a gem. It came from her. She said, "Do you want to turn into a fire giant?" I'm like, "Yeah." And so, so the question very, there very is: inter- Are you being polymorphed, the low level look like, but are not, or are you shape changing, which means you actually take on the resident properties of a fire giant? And, well, uh, I did be- take on the resident properties the first time. So, so if that's true, you did, then you can shape change. And that, that's actually very yeah. valuable. So yeah. when you said yeah. Fever was sick and she was going away for a while, I thought for sure we were going to have little dagger come out uh, and you were going to be a proud. No, because I'm not a pervert like you. <laughs> like Lance, right? Like Lance. <laughs> <laughs> the chat and I were talking about that today. We're like, uh, we lost Nick. The chat and I were talking about today, like, is, is, uh, is Nick's gonna, Chromethia's going to be a daddy? <laughs> when no one comes back. 
Yeah, that's a so, little creepy what that could even mean. So That wasn't even me. <laughs> that was Chad. I was just going with it and laughing. Oh, because they were on fire today. I was a couple times I had to mute myself. I was laughing so hard. I like that he didn't kill me when I tried to drink beer. That was fun. I expected yeah. him to poison me or do something horrible to me. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, you never know. It was a uh, welcome back, Nick. Oh, he's connecting with his audio. He's on a stakeout again. I'm on my stakeout. Sorry, it kicked me out. So uh, the Knight of Barsoom says, feed the dragon heart to Teddy Ruxpin, then use the resulting what the F NIST to power a murder machine with a death ray. Well, <laughs> you know, we could feed the, the dragon heart to the Minotaur. We could. Um, actually, what would no, that wait, do? Is the Minotaur alive? No, it's undead. No, so it won't work. We need uh, to. That, so the dragon heart is going to, there's uh, a bunch of different types of effects that we can get from it. And uh, they're radical. They really will up somebody's game if they survive. Uh, worth a lot to us. Well, Lance will do it if, if nobody else's game. Well, it's whoever has the strongest constitution to, to take the system shock and then to manage the poison. Well, we have the gem that'll, that'll negate the poison if we die. Um, I don't know if this is that kind of poison because this... So the description that I always remember, there's two, there's two variants on, on Dragon Hearts in D&D. &D. Um, and one is that it goes into your system and never leaves. And the other is, is that you are radically changed by it in some way. So not sure what he's gonna choose, um, but at least I know what the uh, preparatory function is. And we have the ingredients because I've been harvesting so much crap that we can uh, actually prep that heart and then someone can munch away. Well, I will. I will do it. I've got an 18 constitution, but if yeah, other fighters yeah. need the boost, yep. No, exactly. no, it's a random. We, assuming he lets it be the way old school D and D is, it'll be a random roll. You'll literally just roll on the fly on the table. So, so walk us through what that looks like, because I, I don't really know. So, so what happens is uh, there's a magical preparation I'll make. I'll probably need drawn, uh, or or if you've recruited me acolytes, however that's shaken out. Um, so that we can take a couple of our different monsters and, and take the parts we need from them. We uh, throw it in a mix. Uh, I've got alchemy and uh, one other ability I need, which is um, potion making. I can make the mixture, take the heart, you chomp away, and then you'll immediately save or die. And it's a terrible save. I don't quite know what the minus is, but it's high. So we're going to want to have a cloak on you and a ring on you and a bunch of other stuff on you so that you can try and survive it. Um, Assuming you survive it, then you roll on a special table that will affect you physically and permanently, which is pretty cool. What it's kind like of a potion miscability effect. It literally takes uh, some function, sometimes of the actual dragon in question, <clears throat> and transfers that into you. And so that can be cool. Breath weapon, armor class, armor type, resistances, immunities, spellcasting capability, language capability, uh, domination, fear, flying, all sorts of different properties that get rolled into what a, a draconic is. We at cocktail parties. Yeah. <laughs> so they're not being nice to me in chat. They're saying that my uh, Lance needs to be retired to the castle only so he has less things to impregnate. 
Yikes. <laughs> so I said that uh, Lance will behave or else, so saith Odin. And their answer is most pagan deities couldn't keep it in their pants. So that's not much of an argument. <laughs> yeah, Odin Odin was sort of out. The, uh, Odin and Zeus were looking for dates pretty often. So, so uh, for this is for you, Nick. I told him in chat when they, I thought they were joking that I was, Lance was going to become a god. And I'm like, maybe I could become a god before Prometheus. <laughs> it's a race hey, to the finish. I don't know. You, you've had enough interactions and, you know, like, you know, now you're, now you're sticking it to the, you know, the daughter and, uh, you know, that's, uh, you're halfway there. Hmm? Yep. You're making prodigy. More. God, you've got so many kids that you can play as NPCs. That's awesome. Well, so the most of them we left in the other dimension, the ones that came here, only the one survived the um, because remember, we sent all the baboons that were pregnant and the wolves that were pregnant after the uh, peaceful travelers. (laughs) (laughs) You you called that one, Nick. He was like, no, they're just pilgrims and you murdered them. (laughs) Yep. As it should be. Bye bye. Yeah, we've shown uh, up at we've shown up at midnight in KKK costumes to be your friends. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. In KKK costumes, <laughs> they were. He said they were all like in white robes and, and you know at midnight and they had torches. I'm like, well, so what kind of psychopath does that? You know, so I killed their leader with poison. And was I was waiting on. for you. I was waiting for you to poison some things today. I almost said something. I'm like, ah. Sometimes I don't poison things because he like I have to I have to like if I like if I do it too much, he he uh, he gets upset about it like poison and turning to stone. So now he's had like two weeks where I've been able to turn anything to stone. So sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't. But then sometimes you gotta use it, you know. So I don't know. Uh, my his next trick will probably be to steal my sword. And then we gotta go get it back. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So, uh, so, so let's talk about that kind of stuff. So, what? Uh, so, you've all three done the whole dungeon master thing. So, what kind of things do you do you avoid that would break a game? Because I've heard that joked around before outside of the circles. Oh, you don't want to break the game. So, what does that mean? I was a horrible dungeon master, so I don't know. <laughs> like, you get a new car, and you get a new car, and you get a new car. Pretty much. I was like, hey, anybody want to play D&D? And later, two hours later, everyone was sixth level. So (laughs) That might be a little heavy. Yeah. You want to hit that one, Andrew, or you want me? Breaking games, um, I would say the easiest source of breaking games is uh, uh, unmanaged party conflict you tend to find that people who take evil alignments or uh, someone who is cursed or charmed or subjected in some way to attacking another party member to death uh, can create a complete meltdown of a game in real time. There are uh, lesser and greater types of violence that can be done from one person to another that uh, in-game can quickly unravel not only the campaign but the individuals playing uh, and it, it creates one of the hardest things to recover from <clears throat> because it's so personal and most people hope 
that the time they've invested in the characters that they're playing doesn't create emotional reactions, but my experience is that it usually does. So is that yeah, why it, they... No, go ahead. Say in the early games when James talks a lot about, oh, this you go through this door and you lose all your stuff, was that just rebalancing the game constantly? Is that what that was about? Uh, no, I think, well, I think that they, at that time, like, they were different. Like, they had come from wargaming, so they were more used to having units and things die. And, and then obviously, Gary, you know, sort of seemed to be this larger-than-life figure that could kind of do whatever he wanted and didn't get challenged. And so if you wanted to play in the game, you just kind of had to accept that you were going to die and things like that. It's, I think it's, in my opinion, it's not till later when kind of D&D gets out in sort of groups of friends that there suddenly becomes this sort of like desire to build and craft your characters, identify with your characters. And of course, you know, everybody's, you know, people who play games have some odd communication skills and habits and personal development. They're not the most self-actualized people, but maybe they're exactly like, you know, the hometown ball team when they lose a game. You know, there's a there's a little bit of rage when you do a lot of work and it suddenly gets wiped out. And that's why, you know, the DM can't necessarily be an adversary, but he can't be your friend in a perfect world. He has to be the, the total arbiter of the rules, you know, and call balls and strikes. And that's the way it is because it's weird if you cheat either way, like, and James asked me that one time, he's like, and he's asked it to me privately too. He's like, do you want me to fudge the rules? And I said, no. That would that would make the game not fun. You have to kill people and you have to let them win, and that's how it is. So that's my half-assed answer. Okay. Are we gonna say something, Andrew? Oh uh, no, I'm fine. <laughs> so uh, Knight of Barsoom is suggesting one of the new side quests, the quest for Karen, the new Crimson Hawk adventure. <laughs> I I think uh, I think. Fever is an awesome. I think we've all missed Fever, don't you? All the free identifies and free detect magic and free wisdom. Jeez, oh peace. I think we just missed the chaos that you bring with it more than anything. Yeah, exactly. You know, my quest for my my lusty quest for gems. Well, did you like playing your new character today, or are you happy to get back to drawing? Um, I'm I'm good either way. I mean, the uh, the fun thing about playing a new character is. Uh, um, you know, you get to explore a different side of something that, and and I tried because uh, I didn't know whether or not we would have somebody like Carlos or 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 um or our paladin back, and it would it was you know um so there was still a little cleric going on, um, but the idea behind the character was um a cleric who had been forced to. Uh, become a fighter, you know, and and rather than being the guy that's all up front, um, you know, he's the guy that, you know, if you need healing, come back here, but I'm going to be lobbing arrows over your head when it's all going down. So that, that was kind yeah. of a fun way to uh, explore that, you know, uh, plus uh, I get to play around a little bit. Um, so my friend Chuck Rice, um, when Osric came out and people were, you know, this is when, uh, when the whole D20 boom was going on and nobody was really sure what you could publish and what you couldn't, um, they developed Osric, which was that product that we were giving out today. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, 
he came up with something called Osric Unearthed, where he took like some of the cooler bits of the fringe elements of first edition, and he kind of expounded on that. And one of the things he did was, um, rather than the really wonky martial arts that was in uh, um, Oriental Adventures, he created a martial arts system that was very cut, dry, easy to learn, too easy. And uh, that's uh, one of the things that uh, the new character has is he's got a martial arts system. Um, he's uh, um, he's a martial artist who is an archer, you know, um, and um, some of the things that he can do, like uh, like you guys, you, um, uh, Levi and, and uh, what do you call it, um, Prometheus are both archers and they have bows and they know that, you know, for the most part, you know, unless you're using a longbow with a uh, with sheaf arrows or war arrows. Um, you, you're pretty much relegated to one to six points of damage. Yeah. Um, but I'm dropping 12 points, 13 points, 16 points of damage because of some of these martial arts skills. And it's, and you know, he's specialized in the bow and has proficiencies in martial arts So uh, for the bow. So it, uh, it, uh, it, it, you can do a lot of damage at range, but the, also the benefit of being a dual class, uh, uh, a former cleric is you still have access to some of those abilities. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. I mean, you know, I, 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 uh, it was, it was nice to, uh, kind of be able to just like thunder hump my way through, you know, a couple of enemies. Uh, cause yeah. John isn't really, um, clerics are, are good fighters, but they're not great fighters. You know, you still get that support role, which is, um, I think a great character, uh, for me, especially running the stream, because yeah. I can kind of sit back and and I don't have to devote as much attention. Um, so, but yeah, it was it was definitely cool to get to play around a little bit. Um, I'm kind of interesting, kind of interested to see like what that little figurine I ended up with is. Your image, the image of Arden. Yeah, that would be neat to kind of figure out what it is and what it does and stuff. But of course, you know, the, the whole, the whole, you know, when Odin asks you, you know, Hey, you guys did a great job. What do you want? The only thing I could think of is, um, I want a second chance on the battlefield. I want to be able to put one more arrow into the target. I don't necessarily have to live through the experience, but I want to be the guy that drops the hammer on somebody, you know, and that would be that, you know, for a story element, you know, that's that one of the, um, one of the coolest uh, campaigns I played in was a uh, Warhammer 40k, um, and I closed out the campaign by um, uh, I closed out the campaign by sacrificing the character, you know. And um, I, it, to this day, it's like one of those memorable moments. You just like, and it saved the rest of the party, you know. But like, it was one of those moments where you were like blaze of glory type deal, you know, and. It's, stuff like that in a game that you remember all the time. So hopefully it'll be that kind of deal. So Captain Kilgosha wants to see a necromancer uh, as a walk-in on the party. And uh, he's also surprised that uh, nobody, especially Crow, asked for immortality. <laughs> well, Prometheus would already tell you he has immortality. Because Prometheus you know? is insane. But again, it, yeah, he's insane. So yeah, you think he's insane, and that's a good answer. But he has a whole nother answer. And you'll find out about those in books that we'll be releasing next year. <laughs> but uh, so, but uh, so he would already say he's insane. He's just playing the game with you. you know? 
Uh, so Walt says that he froze too. He didn't know what to ask because he was put on the spot. So I did that, and I offended half of the global population. So I would say, as the two of us went, Walt wins this round. I like it. I thought my I, I thought it was kind of. I mean, I don't mean to say like I'm the winner, but like I thought it was pretty cool to say, "Give me what's in your pocket." That's awesome. Uh, what were you, what yeah. were you thinking with that? So let's talk about that. What were you thinking? It's Odin, I was just no matter what he yeah. asked for. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be something interesting in there, you know. And I like random stuff, and I kind of saw what James was doing. You know, he he would listen to you know, like I think what did he give Levi? You know, you get two bracers that'll prevent you from you know not dying twice. Well, that's good, right? That's a good. No, thing. being energy. Or no, that yeah, was- not being energy drained. So, like it's kind of a bummer for him as a monk because like, he's not going to have defensive bracers. He's going to have bracers that just save him from getting killed. Well, if he would have asked for like bracers that increased his AC, you know, or his attacks, or, or if he'd have asked for like gauntlets of, you know, like, you know, fire giant strength or something like that, like he would have done more damage and not died. He wouldn't need to worry about dying or something like that. So, I, I thought it would be more fun to let James come up with something. And yeah. then I figured, you know, like, like when you go into a sushi restaurant, you say to the chef, omakase, you know, I'm in your hands. In you your decide. Hands. Yep. Yeah. You're probably going to get something interesting as opposed to give me a California roll <laughs> and put some jalapenos on it. Nah. <laughs> All I'm saying is fish should be cooked and we'll leave it at that. So Knight of nah. Barsoom says, of course, Prometheus is insane. He puts ranch on burgers. And uh, and Nick was channeling his inner Gollum. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was yeah, no, I, I I was I was very surprised that he ponied up a ring of three wishes. So that's pretty cool. That's a, that's a fairly powerful item. I was thinking um, he'd be like, oh, you get this dryer lint. Yeah, yeah, just here's here's a copper, you know, like you know, but uh, James James is fun, you know, like uh, he was he he was nicer to me today than. Sometimes he whips me a lot, but like today he gave me an extra ability point. That was pretty cool. So uh, what? I got, yeah. So what level are you now? Uh, if I do my experience, I might be getting close to popping seventh or eighth. I bet I, I bet I pop ninth, ninth thief. I don't know, but I had like I said, I, I've been so busy. I haven't done my experience for like three sessions. <laughs> so, but you know, experience is so huge at these levels. And we're not even to like, I think, what is it after 10th? It starts being like 100,000. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's just brutal. But uh, uh, this is the highest character I've ever had, you know? And I think the cool thing is like when you hear people play like fifth edition, they're like, I have a 22 strength and I have a 20 thing. Like my old school D&D mind rebels at that because it really is like when we were all talking about Kellick this week because I, I found this old picture of some of the original TSR characters from the cartoon show and, and Andrew is informing us what they were. If you looked at Kellick's stats, what was he? He was like a 12, uh, seventh or yeah, seventh level chaotic evil sorcerer, right? Um, but he's got like, I think he's got like a 12 intelligence or something like that. You know, all his stats suck, which is really how old school D&D, no one, you're not, no one's supposed to have 18s. Like, you so know, you have so, one or two heroic stats and everything, like, I mean, if you look at mine, three of my stats are total dump stats. I have an eight, a nine, and a ten. Yeah, and I'm like, but even then, like you, you, you know, like no, like when I, the way that we we played when I was a kid, like no one had eighteens. That was rare. Um, so, so like you know, I still have that mindset. And so when you get 
when you've done like I've, I've I've gotten two skill point increases one and I spent one on going to 19 decks um, oh my gloves give me a skill point that's what I get and uh, um, and now I have a 20 decks like that's that's pretty incredible like that that's a very rare thing that doesn't exist it sh- in, in old school D&D it shouldn't exist it doesn't exist much now I know we've gotten into this whole like you know which I need to do with Andrew this week you know like adding adding numbers here but D wasn't originally that way D was 3d6 originally and you know if you if your fighter had a 14 strength that's what you had yeah and you were a rock star with that 14 strength yeah no, i mean an, an original original true old school is you get 3d6 six times in order so mm-hmm. yeah roll for your strength you got this roll for yeah. your this and after you rolled then you chose your class based on what you could pull off Okay, you need a nine to have the class you want. You got to do this. Oh, you want one of the special classes? You have to have three good rolls in the right slots. No easy trick at all. Yeah. So is two E not considered old school? No, it is. It is old school, but like originally, originally, it's debatable. It's it's so the change from secondary skills to non weapon proficiencies was a much needed change that still angers a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at true old school, they say it's uh, either D&D or the first pass of AD&D. So Advanced Dungeons and Dragons were the first three hardcovers, and that's as they were trying to march Aronson out the door, because Aronson in the lawsuit, the way he got compensated was for his co-creation of Dungeons and Dragons. And so Gary stuck Advanced on as a way to start marshalling him out the door and not get the same kind of comp. I say, I did not know that story. It's, it's crazy how, um, the sort of bad blood between a lot of them is. It really is because they, the, the, the history behind what was created and the unfortunate dividing lines of how people think of it is, is a big struggle. And then, and that ultimately, is is what I had to reconcile when thinking about all the different versions. In the end, to me, I'm just happy people play the game and uh, am less focused on the variant that they play. That people get out and and get involved, and that's exciting to me. Yeah. I like that people want to play this game again, and I like that more and more people are trying to figure out how. So I don't care about editions. I mean, those things. And in your happen. world, in in your warp guild, you guys play sort of a mixture of first and second right well we hybridize um so our rules are arduous at best uh in the sense that it's primarily first edition with a bunch of second edition rules in there and every year um after the survey um we vote on what mechanics are really intolerable encumbrance very hard to use uh lots of places where it makes sense to use just it's a game slow and when you're gathering a lot of people around the table for a limited period, things that slow the game down, the best thing about what we're doing is the show aspect helps you understand how to manage time better. And I think that's good for gaming in general. And so uh, just like with tournaments, there's a whole host of arduous rules that I don't bother with. Speed factors I don't bother with. Encumbrance I don't bother with. Speed factor is every weapon you have has an assigned speed factor, and those get calculated in to your initiative score, and that determines where you fit in the line. 
So, for example, me with a dagger versus you with a two-handed sword, I'm hitting you with that dagger well four or five times before you've brought to bear that monstrous weapon if you use speed factor. Uh, the same with encumbrance. We'd carry a couple of things, and we'd be moving at a movement of 20. We'd never be able to retreat. We would just be lumbering forward like turtles. So that's the kind of stuff that we discard. But we're also discovering that some of the basic mechanics, opening a door, right? A character, an incredibly muscle-bound character fails at opening a door. His next role, <coughs> excuse me, is at, is, at a, is at a loss. Whereas in later editions, they said, you know what, take two people, uh, and they both go at the door, and they both roll, and the one who uh, you know makes it, that's success. And so a lot of things should be streamlined that just aren't. And so we spend time on using first edition as our bread and butter but taking the advantages from other campaigns and voting them into our process and that's become uh, makes for a much better game very cool well so I JR, up... can you give us a taste of what we're going to have next week uh i can't do that without ruining the surprise well they would at least say on the back of the module like there's a there's some slave pits over on an island, you know. Like, <laughs> All I'm going to say is a character that was played um, in a, the other dimension is going to come into this one. A character that was played in the, by who? Who would played it in the other dimension? Yeah. I did. Oh, I see. Is it the girl we murdered and stuffed in the bag? <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought we signed that NDA. Do those not work the same in California? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, well, no, I can't tell you because it would it would ruin it, and part Why of the fun of this. I, well, if I told you that, it would ruin it, and part of the fun it's going to be your reaction. Okay. <laughs> That's why I when I remember, went. Oh, was it your dwarf? You had a dwarf, right? That was one of them. Okay. So well, when I when I planned this, I intentionally went to Andrew and uh, and Walt because Walt's always distracted running things because I didn't want I wanted you you to be pure you. For, for your reactions. Okay. Oh, I, I, I'm not self-aware enough to understand what is pure me, but I'm, I'm keen to, I'm keen for the lesson. <laughs> it should be fun. <laughs> uh, although yeah, I will I think... say, I will say that because my experience with, uh, with gaming before, yeah. before you guys and, and, and Gamma World and all that was mostly Skyrim. Well, Elder yeah. Scrolls in general. Yeah, well, tell me about much, it. Walt keeps reminding me, he's like, this isn't a video game. Those mechanics are already built in. You're, no, you're going to kill everyone in five seconds. I know that you're going to have like a trap where like a rusty ball swings from the ceiling. And then... <laughs> I totally wanted to put that in our in our defenses for the well, but Walt was like, no, stop. Just stop. I, I think um, I probably owe him a couple cups of coffee for that. He, he, yeah. he, he hits me up and I'm at work and... Uh... And uh, I see my phone going off, so I, I grab my little my little um, Bluetooth keyboard, so because you know uh, it's probably you know somebody who's gonna uh, chat a little bit. And I'm like, all right, let me let me type this out real quick and see what's going on. You want to put what where? <laughs> I'm like, whoa, dude, no, you can't do that. Well, it works in Skyrim. I'm like, these mechanics don't translate. I said the video game does that for you. All these mechanics. I said you. You're, you're, I said, all right, so this one fight, the way you want to describe this one fight would take anywhere between two to four hours to adjudicate one fight. 
he's like, well, why? I said, I said, well, here's the problem. You have to read the rules. <laughs> you know, if you're not reading the rules, your basis for this is your own die rolling as a player and then something like Skyrim. So while you're saying, you know, while you're on one side and saying, uh, I want to put this right here, this would be a great fight. Well, yeah, it would be a great fight, but um, all the dice rolling and calculations you're talking about to adjudicate this great fight leads you to two to four hours of actual time just sitting there and rolling dice and then there's this aha moment like oh okay maybe we might you know and we've all had it because like when we were first starting we were first starting a game like way back in the way back you know that's that's something we all did we were just like this is going to be cool i'm going to put it in there you know, I I put a freaking troll at the entrance of a volcano when I was 13, you know, not <laughs> and it's like, no, you can't do that. Why can't you do that? It would be a badass monster to have in the front of a cave. Yes, but the cave spits fire, dude, and these things hate these things regenerate. Fire is the enemy, blah blah blah. And I'm like, well, "Where does it say that?" <laughs> you know, and and you know, eventually you have somebody come up and slap you around a little bit and it's like, "All right, dude, stop working." You know, this is first edition AD&D, and, and they're like, all right, stop working solely from the DM's guide where the monsters are because they don't give you the descriptions. This is the monster manual. This is where you need to uh, start, you know, reading up and blah, blah, blah. And eventually you start getting the tricks and the tips and the and the whatever, you know, but you need that, like, one dude. And, and um, the uh, the guy who um, – and it's one of the reasons I really like um, Osric. Uh because it, it encapsulates that first edition feel, but also um, one of the guys that did a lot of the indexing was my first DM. Oh, and, wow. And yeah, yeah, Dave Prada, right? Uh, just rock, rock star DM. And uh, he was the guy, when I was DMing, he'd be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Come here, you know? And then when you're just like, no, but I can't, he'd grab you by the ear and be like, no, you can't do that. You know, so we've all had that moment where we're just like, but I want to put it in because it's cool. And it's like you either got one of two ways. One Way number one is, yeah, it's cool, but all your players are going to die, you know, or uh, way number two. It's like, yeah, OK, yeah, it's cool. Uh, I hope you have 12 hours put aside because that's how long it's going to take to get through that adventure. You know, so, yeah, I, de I definitely know where the, the, the I know the the, the the tortured artiste that Jr. is right now and. Uh, uh, hopefully, uh, he will lean on all of us so that we can help him during the session. So yeah, I started I mean, like I've been reading the the player's handbook um, a lot because I'm you know just through playing trying to get get ahead and I was trying not and I've already spent over forty hours on this stinking session but I, I'm trying also not to make this my full time job because Jason said he'd skin me alive if I didn't turn in the reserves too by New Year's uh, <laughs> the the uh, the come to Jesus talk from him or no excuse me come to Oba uh, so so I was trying to balance that so uh, so Walt showed me some shortcuts so I was trying to because I don't fully understand the whole magic system in the game trying to keep it as mostly a brawl where you know we can make tactics matter uh, a little more and, and you'll, stick... you'll do great and we'll we'll we, you know we'll help you along and you know we're going to explain the premises you know that, that you're a first time dm and this is how easy it is and and then we're just going to rip you to shreds yeah i'm going to try to break I'm, I'm just going to try to break you like i did jane look i bro broke one of the greatest dms in the business i 
can snap you across my <laughs> knee with just a thought, Jr. I mean, like, I, 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 you're in trouble, man. I wouldn't sleep for the rest of the week if I were you. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm gonna do that, and then I figure, uh, assuming everybody doesn't hate it, I'll try a, another session, another time where I can factor in more of the magic. Just Very do it, baby steps. Very optimistic. optimistic. <laughs> You're very optimistic. Look of course, I could get they, booed in the chat. How, yeah, look how much they hate on Jim, you know, and he's been DMing for 40 years. No, you, 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 you're going to learn no good no good deed goes unpunished. You know, like, ask Andrew, like, you sit down as a DM and you make a dungeon and you're like, oh, they'll have this much fun. Look at this treasure. This will be really great. And I've just made this whole world and like when the when you put the final touches on the map and you've written the last room and all those kinds of things, every DM should say to themselves, like every Roman general on on triumph, you know, with the slave in their ear, the slave should be whispering in the the little goblin slave should be whispering in the DM's ear, "This is as good as it's going to get for you." Momento mori. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because because now now the players are going to come in. And they're just going to ruin all of it, and they're going to ruin you, and they're going to be mad at you, and they're going to cry, and they're going to whine, and they're going to argue, and they're going to advocate. They're going to try to break it. You're going to say, oh, look at this great fight that I have set up. And I can see the rounds and the encounters that it will take, and the swing of the sword, and the clang of the shield, and they'll be like, maybe we could, like, polymorph a bird into a giant, into a giant thing of snot, and then they'll all be stuck, and we can light the snot on fire. And they'll be like, yeah, the snot doesn't light on fire. And they'll be like, well, I it saw it one now. time. Like, oh, how come? We, you know, like, they will figure out every way to screw everything, because that, that's how you win. It's figuring out how to screw the DM. Right, Andrew? Well, I had uh, one of the things we do is we have what are called crossover sessions, and usually once or twice a year. People in different campaigns uh, encounter each other uh, somewhere uh, in either circumstances in a dungeon or circumstances outlier. And that takes a lot of coordination. So, two weeks ago, we had a great crossover plan for just before Thanksgiving. Two different groups uh, found a day they could agree to meet. They had encountered a magic item. It brought all these people together who hadn't seen each other in 30, 40 years. They're all showing up on the Zoom session, 16 people. It's a huge adventure, planned it forever. <clears throat> we get ready to start, start going around the room. People are describing their actions. A guy takes out an item, and it literally banishes the eight people who were coming into their session at the crossover literally within three minutes of the beginning. <laughs> all so, why why did he banish them? Time to coordinate all this. Gone. Done. That was it. Did he do it on purpose? He didn't have any idea what he was doing. And so that's, uh, well, actually, that's not true. He thought it was going to do something else, but he didn't know what he had. And so, um, you know, as a, as a DM, the thing I was saying to JR is D&D is really called the game of bad decisions and how you, <laughs> how you recover from those. And um, <clears throat> as a DM, the most important thing to do is once you put everything down uh, as a map, uh, the map is just a guidepost. Uh, I ultimately don't use a whole lot of material. It's mostly in my head so that I can freeform it. I have an outline and I have uh, the images of what they're getting or where they're going. And I do the rest from outline so that it doesn't require 
a lot of stuff. Hit points, armor class, basic damage, those things are all factored and calculated, but you know, a lot of it is just in my head, so I can roll it forward. Um, and the dice, the, the thing I always find very valuable is to let the dice, half of the fun is blowing a roll. That I, I truly enjoy failing things just to see what happens. <laughs> And I would just say, just remember, JR, at the end of the session, we will all look at you and we'll say, thanks for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so so the are the expectations sufficiently low? Like, you can't win. So now you can have all the fun in the world. It's true. Yeah, I wasn't, um, although when he said, when he told me that the uh, the game of bad decisions, I'm like, huh, I made an entire infantry career on that model. <laughs> You'll do great. If you want to do a practice session, I, I'm happy to get together with you this week. And, you know, like, I mean, I, th I think just as, you know, a performer, um, an actor, you know, and also there's an army application too. you know, the step by step method, the walk through it, all that kind of stuff. You should walk through actually right because it's like, how do you start? Well, OK, you're in town. There's a wizard, you know, and then someone's like, I want to meet Snorkel the Goblin. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Yeah. Right. So you, you, you might want to walk through a session, you know, my like even if you just you do it yourself. Go ahead. I was just going to say my favorite was always uh, spend the 32 hours crafting this amazing adventure and somebody goes, no, I don't want to go that way. I want to go chase that bear. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, so but... I, I see that's what uh, um, Andrew and I were doing this morning before before the session. And his many other obligations. I don't think that guy ever sleeps, Andrew. But uh, he's he's been helping me do that, and he's showing me some of the ways you can sort of sort of do those test runs to see if the game session works. Oh, okay. Well, then I think I think it's going to be great. And you got Shaps there, man. That was your dream to have to DM Terry to DM a famous Green Beret. So. He's my favorite snake eater. So yeah. So that yeah, looks great, can... Walt. You can let him down on all kinds of levels. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you would have never made it through selection. That's Failure a... to impress. No go. Oh, did they still say that in your time? Yeah. I, I, you were a no go at the station? Yeah. I just like that yeah. Captain Kilgosha is uh, typing in the chat. Hey, Sergeant Hanley, you, uh, you got a, don't you got a book to write right now? Yeah, <laughs> they they started that at the last uh, Galaxy's Edge podcast. It's like, are you sure you should be here? Shouldn't you be writing? <laughs> I think it's funny that Jason says that because Jason was late this week on turning in a book. Uh oh, and his, and, and his computer dumped uh, fifteen thousand words. <gasps> oh no! Crying for him. Ouch. Yeah. So he called me, and I was all, oh, "That's too bad." <laughs> now let's talk about me <laughs> more about me jason i was i was gonna say wow that sucks maybe you should come play D, &D this friday yeah it's so weird because like he told me um why he wanted to play D, &D. it was a really good reason and and then he's like you know i'm gonna start playing more and i'm like okay well we're here every friday and have been for like We've been doing this for the better part of a year now, right? Like we were playing with Jim and Gamma World and everything like that. Like we're yeah. there every Friday, and he's like, "I am going to be there every Friday," and like he's never shown up again. <laughs> and he Did was we scare him? such. Well, I don't know. Maybe like like Jane, like who who's like at your first session, you get a vorpal blade. You know, like it was almost like when I was a kid. Um, w there was this game store. It was called I Love Games, and um, 
like I said, there were all these older college age kids that hung out there and they were always trying to get you into some weird game, you know, and the way that they would maneuver you into playing their specialty game that they loved was to like, like, so there was a game called Starfire, which was like Battlefield, Starfleet Battles Light. It's really fun. Um, David Weber actually wrote for it. Uh, so I remember sitting down, he's like, hey, you want to play a game of Starfire? And I'm like, what's that? I, I play Starfleet Battles. He's like, it's better. And so, you know, like 12 year old me is like, sure, whatever, you know, and because uh, he wanted to have like a campaign, like he wanted to lure in enough players to actually do like a galactic civil war campaign. It was a huge thing. And I actually still know people from that campaign and get together and talk with them. And we still laugh about it. So he would sit down and he would lay out the map and teach you this game. And then he'd let you win like two or three sessions. And then you'd be like, "Hey, we're forming a campaign. Do you want to? Do you want to play like the the Zodani Alliance or whatever it is?" You know, you'd be like, "Yeah, I'm so good at this. I should." <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know. <laughs> Little did you know. And then you and then you spent like two weeks getting ready for the campaign. Everybody in the store was really excited. And then come Saturday, you'd sit there, and then you know, here were all these super high functioning math majors, you know, getting ready to play this heavy number crunch game. And within about two hours, your entire empire was gone. You know, and and then they went on to play for another six months in this campaign. But they just needed a lot of cannon fodder. So, anyways, I don't know where that story was going, but I do like to tell it. J Mac, <laughs> author J Mac, just hit me with uh, a blast from the past, and that's riffs. Yeah. Riffs, yes, Maybe. riffs. Yeah, I just I I, I loved uh, John Zelesnik's art. So um, great. Uh, long's art i mean just oh god some of the some of the artwork in that game just you just had to buy the books just for the for the art have you ever played a game where the game didn't live up to the artwork yes yeah. and that's kind of a bummer huh and uh and i'll uh uh i'll probably get tons of hate for it but uh shadow run you know um yeah yeah a, that's true amazing artwork uh, incredible vibe um, really, really cool backstory. Um, the whole bringing in the um, the Aztec culture into things um, was just oh my god! Just all that artwork was sublime. And then you played it, and it's like no, well we you got to have a planning session before you go out on a run, and you got four hours to play this game, three hours of planning, and then you know your characters were dead before you even entered the building because you're. Um, your slicer, uh, uh, net runner, excuse me, your net runner, um, didn't, didn't take on a whole bunch of black ice like he should have and, and got iced. So, you know, you walk in the building and the security still active and you just toast it. And it's like all that, you know, and for nothing and like tables and charts. And it's like, Oh God, this is too much, <laughs> too much. Um, I go back to my favorite game besides D and D for tabletop for like RPG. It's still Recon, man. That game. Was oh great. yeah, Recon was cool. Uh, I still like hunt eBay for the original rule book. <laughs> yeah, Recon was tight. Um, uh, do you ever play Twilight Two Thousand? I never did, and I wanted to. And like, it's so my jam. It is so my jam. And then uh, what do you call it? My game store. Um, at the time, they said, "Oh, you know, you play you play Twilight 2000. Um, you know, you should uh, you should check this out." And they had this box set called Phoenix Command. 
Yes. And I was just like, what is this? And it was the, it was like the next step of Twilight 2000 where they took the, you know, the concept of realistic warfare and like, and like made endless tables and charts. Like, you know, if you, if you got this kind of hit with this kind of weapon, you went to this next chart for ballistic, (laughs) certain ballistic damage. And that damage did, you know, you had to roll on another chart that would tell you how bad or how fast you were bleeding out. And it was just like, we tried it once and it was unplayable. unplayable. It was unplayable, but like twilight 2000, that was, that was crazy. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the first time I ever saw a tow missile in the army, I was <clears> like, <throat> Oh my God, that's what that is. And I knew it from twilight 2000. <laughs> so yeah, it was, yeah. And like the, 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 the sort of world background on twilight zone 2000 was very deep. Like they really got into it. Yeah. That whole like, um, uh, red dawn kind of thing where humanity has just yeah. crippled itself and it's just rove there's no it's like walking dead without the zombies you yeah know, it's, exactly it's just exactly. mankind sucks enough but um we just uh we uh on one of the other podcasts i work on um the bath podcast we just did uh we interviewed the guys um that did um uh battle lords of the 23rd century um and that game is hysterical they have a, a it's just enough like space opera and space marine to get the hard cores with just enough comedy like for that gallows humor um they have this race it's this giant lizard like race um that look like they could bench press buicks and shot put you know small tow trucks um and they have this way of killing people in power armor called the death noogie and, and it was like it was a, a term that that was used by like the good guy soldiers when they were fighting a war against these guys because of what they would do is because of their enhanced strength um they would tackle somebody in power armor and ram the their their like alligator fist into the top of the helmet and crush the pilot inside of the inside of the the mech but when you looked at it outside it looked like you know he was getting a noogie you know, like he was, in, you you just got attacked by the school bully, and you're about to get stuffed in a locker. You know, and, yeah. They just they just came out with a new edition, and let me tell you, the art is gorgeous, unbelievably gorgeous. Um, but yeah, we just interviewed. Cover. What's that? Yeah. Cover is ninety percent a buy decision. Oh you my know, god! And the art, the art is a cover insight. You know, like you know, a, a game at face value is very daunting and kind of boring. And that, that art carries your motivation through wanting to learn the rules and getting excited about it. And then also visually like creating the world. So art is so important, but you know, of course. Yeah. You remember uh, the first time you saw like Larry Elmore art? Oh yeah. And that's, I remember that whole like Renaissance, like where it shifted away from, you know, Errol and those guys to, to Larry Elmore art, which was really like AD and D I think. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, and especially like dragon lunch, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's when, that's when it just got like super epic and gorgeous. And it was, it was interesting for James to come in and say, Oh, we just did that for women. You know, we wanted to, and he was, you know, it's women are the biggest reading group, but it, it uh, like none of the people that like I knew ever played any dragon Lance modules or anything like that. None of that was interesting to us, but I remember like, it was just a phenomenon. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you saw it in like uh, a bunch of magazines and stuff like that, like sci-fi magazines. Um, you yeah. Know, if you enjoyed Lord of the Rings, here's your next read. Yeah, or you'd go to like Walden Books and they'd have the Dragonlance calendar, you know, and it was just basically softcore porn. <laughs> right? Because you had, uh, <laughs> oh God, what was her name? Everybody was like, you know, you had, um, I think her name was River Moon or something like that. Gold she was, Moon. yeah. Gold Moon. Are, uh, yeah, all those. Yep. Things. But like, n- nobody was into her because she was the good girl. You know, everybody want. Everybody was like down with the one that was like with the dark forces, Kitiara. <laughs> you know, yep. and she had this like she had this like crazy nineteen eighties perm with a headband, with like a headband separating it, and like yeah. you you at any moment, even though this chick was always in full plate mail, you could like you could just you could just almost feel that like. Um, at any moment, she would bust out on like 1980s roller skates or something like that. It was that kind of vibe yeah. that like everybody was into that chick. You know, it was like, ooh, Kitiara is on the cover and blah, blah, blah. And then, <laughs> and then of course, uh, um, you had, uh, what's his face? Uh, Lord Soth, who was the Death Knight, the Knight of the Black Rose. I was like, dude, this dude is like tragic. This is like fantasy Darth Vader if like the high school prom king had his prom queen murdered in front of him this is awful you know so like yeah they 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 they, especially with the art they knew how to to kind of capture you with the art so yeah they they did a good job with that stuff even though like i said uh that nobody wanted to play it because you know kender (laughs) really strange requirements it was it was sort of the first the first true evidence of a railroading dungeon, you had to go in this order. You had to go do these things like this. And yeah, I, I didn't know people who played it. I just knew everyone who bought it. Yeah. But, but there were huge groups that played it. I mean, a lot. And uh, it had some fascinating things. It just, it didn't fit the style for people who really wanted to go their own way and wanted to just go inside and out of things. Dragonlance wanted you to follow and figure out their plot. And I get it. Their books sold a fortune because they got people excited about that. Hell yeah. So Uh, speaking of art, I looked up some of Errol's art so I could have an answer because you asked what their favorite was. So I liked his, uh, I looked it up, his uh, Sorcerer's Brew and then his book cover, The Scourge of the Slave Lords. I know nothing about what those are in context to, but I liked the art. Yeah, so cool the sorcerers and stuff. The sorcerer's brew is some guy on a lab. It's like I'm picturing Wordness character doing, just you know, Slave pouring Lord. potions. Uh, the Slave Lords was a tournament series, one of the best, um, and it was four different uh, tournament rounds, and they were very hard. I was I was lucky enough to play in those, uh, and I played uh, this female dwarf, Elwida. And it was tough, but it was scored very hard and it was very competitive, but it was a blast. They were done very well. And Earl, Earl did a bunch of uh, stuff to it. And it was, it was a fantastic series. Really tournament stuff is fun. He did a lot of the great covers. He did the, the drow <laughs> covers. Um, he did barrier. Uh, Peaks. Barrier Peaks is a great cover that he did. He did he Folio too, right? No, uh, that, that wasn't his no. cover. No, no. But he did but, pieces uh, in that, though, right? Most oh, yeah. They all did pieces in, in. Um, the, the, the big push 
that got people angry was they either really loved or really hated the fiend folio art, but they had some really cool stuff in there. Oh yeah. Um, his, I think his most famous one is the, is the basic and advanced set cover for basic D and D or whatever that's called. What are, where, well, I don't even know what version of that is, but you know, the, the sorceress and the fighter fighting the Hydra. And then the advanced version is, uh, uh, a wizard looking through a searing watching the battle but like the, that that that's great art right there hell yeah yeah that was cool having him on the on the show today and then uh he was he was throwing a little like voice acting and an accent in his character toward oh, the end oh yeah. yeah that's very that's very him when i when i went to that uh convention with him and played D, which we did on twitch and that was about two years ago like he just really gets into the voices like and you're kind of like you're 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 like he really gets into him and he the cool thing too is he draws stuff for his dungeons so like you're literally like oh and he draws kind of like on your character sheet and things like that <laughs> so you're literally getting like air lotus stuff and it's you know it's 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 you know like if you go over to his facebook page he has a real following like people really dig his stuff and i wanted to get a cover for him for, from a project and so I was up in Napa and he lives in the Bay Area and I said hey why don't I come through and let's have lunch and you know let's talk about something and I had him do a commission for the original Forgotten Ruin game and its original iteration but now it's you know obviously that that product has changed and so we've got to modify that but it was a picture of James and Gary as their characters talking in a garden <laughs> and um, and so and then we and so we were out to dinner and we had a good time and I said, are you on Facebook or anything? And, and he's like, no, no, I just don't do Facebook. I'm like, you know, you got a huge following on Facebook. He's like, well, I didn't know that. And he's very, um, he's very kind of unaware of who he is. It's very interesting. Like, and like his story is at 17 years old, he, uh, I think he graduated high school. He just went to Wisconsin and showed up and said, I want to draw for Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. Yeah, and and he just like and they 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 kind of gave him an audition, I guess, and then he just spent a few years there, and then he you know like some of the details of his story are a little unclear, um, but he basically says you know like I made a decision to leave and go do something else, and that was kind of if, I I don't want to talk out of school, but he kind of indicated that he kind of wish he had not done that, um, and then he just kind of he he ended up in the Bay Area which is where he's from uh, basically designing products and games for people. And then like when I met him, kind of like one of the companies that he was working for just kind of up and folded. He was like, uh, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, you know, and, and people would call him from time to time and say, Hey, can you give me art or whatever? But he kind of said to me, he's like, no one really kind of wants to pay my rate or my price. And artists are kind of, you probably understand this well, are kind of notoriously bad at, if they don't, if they're not forthright, they're very bad at negotiating their rates. Yeah. And I said, you just got to say what your rate is. And I said, you're a legend. You don't have to be doing pieces at this rate. You could be doing it at this rate. And you just have to learn the power of saying no. And they'll come and pay for it or they won't. And don't, you know, if they're already. Uh Oh, oops. <laughs> he, he probably knocked out his microphone. Could be. Here's a here's an interesting thing. Here is the picture he drew for his character. <laughs> uh -uh. 
So what was the story with the the weird shaping and all that that he was talking about? See? <laughs> That's, what he was like. That's awesome. Kind of crazy. Pretty cool. So did we get an answer for, for the whole story with that? With what? With, with the the weird character look and I'm wider than I am tall or whatever. Well, it's just this thing. Probably, um, probably a super like buff dude rather than the string bean, you know, of, uh, like a guy who's just hunched over a desk all the time. We could, uh, we could definitely arm wrestle since we both have an eight strength. So, uh, it'll, uh, it'll be a fair fight at least. <laughs> I'll have to poison him. Oops. <laughs> Can you hear me? Am I back? Yes, you are back. Okay. So, uh, here's the deal with his characters. Um, he has this long running campaign that he's been running for over 30 years. Really? And yeah. And it's called, I want to say it's called the deadlands or something like that. So in Errol's world, you, in Errol's world, you have race body parts. So you have to remember, he's really, he has a very interesting person. Like, as in, like, he, he's very, he loves monsters and sort of Frankenstein concepts and Cthulhu. So you don't play a dwarf. You play a, uh, a, a character who has a human torso and a dwarf legs. <laughs> like, that, he loves that stuff. So, like, when I played in his game and I, I met, like, his best friend. His best friend goes to all his games and everything like that. And his best friend has played D&D with him since they were 12 years old. And oh, he's like, awesome. oh, yeah, he's... He's like he has this whole world and it's it's kind of like an underworld and you go and you 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 play there and like it was it was but it's it's like his character was very him. It's it's strange and unusual. He only draws strange and unusual characters. He like rarely draws like classic hero type people. Yeah, right. everybody's yeah, everybody's kind of malformed and, and stuff like that, and which is kind of what he likes. Well that's like um that's like the guy who does Hellboy. Uh, yeah, uh, his his characters were always, uh, you know, hunched or or very uh, pronounced. Um, and uh, I, I heard a great interview with him. Uh, guy's name is Mike Mignola. He's 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 a really interesting guy. And he said, you know, the reason that my style is the way it is, is because um, I just hate drawing backgrounds. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> the most interesting part about any drawing is the person in it. He goes, he goes buildings and cathedrals and no matter how pretty they are they are never as interesting as the people who fill them he's like so i use a lot of shadow i use a lot of black uh black ink and you know my characters pop because i don't give any love to the backgrounds um and when you see like a mignola piece even when he did um the witcher uh he did a a six issue run on the witcher his art was astounding because uh even though it was about like a haunted house um, uh, you know, like in a swamp, the swamp really never got any of the any of his brush. It was more like um, the house and the the people that were in it, because um, uh, just as much as the people, the house itself was a character, and and it was it was just oh god, it was really really good. So yeah, guys who who have that thought process and, and draw like that, uh, I'm so envious of because you know you can just tell that. Even when they're down, like that, you know, the pencil is down and they're not doing anything. They're still thinking yeah. about those things. Yeah, and like, it, like we work with an artist in Galaxy's Edge, uh, Tommaso, who you know, it lives in Italy, and he cranks out work as fast as you want it. 
like Tommaso, like you say, I want, you know, a legionnaire doing this thing. And like the next day he's got concept sketches and on day two, he's finished. That's fantastic. And you know, like I worked with Pascal Blanche, uh, for strange company and you know, he literally creates 3d models of his covers <laughs> and he, he had it done inside a week. Oh, wow. Errol only play paint. He still paints. Like he doesn't do That's computer crazy. stuff or anything like that. So he, like when he said, Oh, I have two paintings I'm working on. He's probably been working on those for four months. Like Oof. he does not work fast. He only takes a few commissions every year. And, and so it's, he, it, but it's very him. It's very specific, you know, what he does. And like, I had him do a cover for a fantasy novel that I wanted to do that had a three headed mushroom giant and uh, <laughs> uh, a fighter and a sorceress fighter fighting him. And he, you know, he just got really psychedelic and trippy and crazy with it and came back and he even asked me, he's like, when are you going to use that cover? And I'm like, Oh, you know, I got something. <laughs> <laughs> are we going to so, see, are we going to see that book? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I think so. You know, like it was like I sold, I, I was, I had this idea of, I wanted to go basically um, tell about a group of inven- adventurers who were kind of mercenaries. Did I get cut off again? No, you're, you're, you're here. Uh, yeah, I think you're, um, oh. I think your system switched to a different microphone because your pitch changed, okay. but yeah, we, we heard everything you said. Okay. So I had this idea like of having a group of adventurers who were kind of mercenaries and they would basically go through the cla- my riffs on the classic dungeon modules. And so I had him do one that was basically cave of horrors, you know, or, uh, uh not cave of horrors. Tomb of horrors. But, uh, uh, no. It, oh yeah, it was, that's right. It was going to be a riff on tomb of horrors and I was going to call it cave of horrors. And I had about like nine covers that I wanted to do. And so I, I wrote, about 60,000 words in that and um, had him do the cover. And then I'm like, okay, I'll need another cover. And he's like, oh, I won't be able to do another commission for half a year. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so this, this is, this is cause I, you know, I'm not going to publish a book in that series unless I've got three ready to go. So I've got to kind of wait for him to, to, you know, and then I think, what did I have? Uh, I, I had, my next one was going to be a riff on Isle of Dread and then the third one i think it was going to be about the giants so you know that's a slow burn project but yeah i'll show that art on the show sometimes because like next time he plays i'll just i'll just show it but without i i got a crap i got some crappy titling work on done on it that i don't like but uh the picture itself is beautiful the uh the chat is saying that they're very happy that you came back they thought uh newsom sent a hit team out for you yeah that dick <laughs> <laughs> or that you had gotten high from some of those California fires because you never know what wacky tobacco they're burning. Uh, you know, like that's the thing I think we all complain about in California now is like, and it's maybe it's gotten a little better since COVID because you're not around people, but like when you're in LA, everybody is high all that you are always getting a contact high at all times because everybody is now on drugs everything's legal and and i come from like a generation where like if you smoked pot you know um like it had to be on the dl had to be on the down low and i'm not saying i smoked pot or anything like that but (laughs) i'm saying that was half the fun was committing a crime like i don't know that smoking pot now would be any fun if it's totally legal like what's the fun in that 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's just me. Yeah, they have those cities in Am- what is it, Amsterdam? Uh, they just yeah drug cities, and that's where if you want to go do that stuff, that's where you go do it. Everywhere else, but that's <laughs> but, but that's uh, that's uh, that's the West Coast now. Like I mean, Portland just made everything illegal. Uh, but yeah. like in L.A., they, like there's I've talked to cops. They they're they're not busting anybody on any kind of drug charge. Oof. You know, and so that's why it, that's why it's a disaster here. But yeah, like there's sometimes in L.A. where it's just it's nonstop. Like the smell of dope is so like you're like jeez. Uh. You know, and and you know, once you like, because I, I I'm I'm a former alcoholic. Um, once you get sober in your life, it's weird how zero tolerance you have for any kind of drug or alcohol abuse. You know, like you should you should have mercy because you know you've been through that everything like that. But it's weird that you don't like you just get mad <laughs> and angry and seething at everybody, and you like you're like I should call the cops, and and, and then you remember like the cops don't care if the yep. kids are getting high; they're not showing up. You know. So craziness, you know, but I still drive by. Yeah, pretty much. You know, like when did I get old? But you know, I don't care. We played with a, we played D and D with a kid that used to get high right before. And after like the third session, we were like, um, we were like, look, um, you're not a good fit. He's like, what do you mean? You're, you're, you're breaking up with us, breaking up with me on my D and D group. And I'm like, dude, um, It's usually 15 to 20 minutes before you fall asleep. And then you wake up about an hour into the game session, kicking your feet. You knock everything over on your your rampant scramp to go and find Doritos. It's just no, no. You know, so he was oh, he was all upset. Can't believe you're kicking me out because I'm smoking a little pot. It's like, no, you didn't smoke a little pot. You smoked all the pot. And then we wouldn't care if you came in high. We just don't want you to fall asleep, you know, fall asleep and then wake yeah. up like in a, in a, you know, you, you need to binge something quick, you know. And then, of course, there's a one time where, you know, he sits down to roll some dice, falls asleep at the table. The pizza shows up and he like eats an entire like half a pizza by himself. <laughs> like, dude, what are you doing? No, and the mental acuity is just not there. Oh yeah, but uh, you know that's I I feel I I would like to know what happened to that person because <laughs> that's that's quite a badge to yeah. wear through life in the eighties. In the eighties, I was kicked out of D and D. You have to understand, like no <laughs> one kicked anybody out of D and D in the eighties. Right? Like, yeah. You know, like 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 I was talking about this guy luring you into play games. Like if you wanted to play D and D, like we were going to let you, we, we didn't have, no one wanted to play. You know, it was very, yeah. so it was very interesting. Yeah. So to have, to have earned the distinction of being kicked out of D and D that's like Adam Carolla saying, getting fired from Taco Bell, you know, not, <laughs> not Taco Bell material. Right. I've seen that skit. <laughs> yeah. We had, uh, I've only had two that we, we kicked out. We, we kicked out him because he, like I said, he just, he would wake up in a rage, like looking for Twinkies and tacos and anything he could get his mouth around. And we're like, D- bro, just go away. <laughs> you know, you're, you're more of a disruption. You know, we, we don't care that you're high. We just care that you're, you know, sedate. Um, but then we had the other guy, uh, it was in the army um and uh like blatantly just like hating on my roommate because my roommate was filipino and was just like saying some nasty shit and i'm like nah i don't want you here just go 
He's like, well, yeah. where else are you going to find somebody? I'm like, dude, this is my roommate. I, I, I had lunch with his family a week ago. You know, don't don't be that guy. Just just go. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. It, but, I mean, other than that, like most stuff, I mean, you had the guy with, like, the, you know, the three-foot-long nose hair that would sit down and you tolerate <laughs> that dude. You know, you, you had the girl that, that uh, what do you call it, um, ate more stuff than any four dudes around the table and would burp louder than everybody. And she was, wel- you know, welcome with open arms. And it was, you know, <laughs> everybody else. But it's like, just don't be rude and, you know, don't be disruptive. You know, but yeah, that was way, that was way back in the way back. And roll dice and try not to walk us into the anti-magic port. <laughs> <laughs> Put swords in the bag of holding. <laughs> so in the old days, would they have like an, uh, uninvited me from the party and be like, no, you're not our type? <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. Uh, you, like that um, it's not a thing. Yeah, in in the old days, it, it, you you would have got you would have got like, whoa whoa whoa, bro, what do you do, bro, 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 <laughs> and then they would have pulled you aside and been like, nope, <laughs> you you are not you are not taking this magic item because you, you you're drunk, so like, uh, but yeah, they uh, you would have been you totally welcome. Yeah, everybody would have just pulled you in and give you the. Bro. It's funny you talk you talk more about the stories of deaths and stuff like that that happened than the times that you succeeded. Cause those, those just turn out to be more fun, you know, like bad dice rolls, as Andrew was saying, those are a lot of fun actually. Yeah. You know? Break it, break Like at, at the heart of all mankind, we're all goblins. We do love to break shit. Oh yeah. The, uh, um, we yeah. had a, an instance where a guy was, uh, um, we had a monk and one of the fighters had fallen into a pit with spikes and the monk was like, oh, I'm super fast. I can catch him. So, you know, the DM was like, all right, well, let's, let's make some rolls and we'll see what happens. And, uh, the, we, the party had split. So it was just these two dudes in this one section of the dungeon. And as he's trying to pull the guy up, now the guy is in plate mail. He's carrying a whole bunch of stuff on his back. He's super heavy. And the monk is just like, you know, this, this skinny, like, you know, Kung Fu dude who's trying to hoist up like three, 400 pounds. And he's just, he's not built for the job he's trying to accomplish. And here comes this gelatinous cube down the hallway, you know, and they're, they're rolling, trying to eventually the gelatinous cube ate the monk. And then the dude dropped into the spikes and we were just like, you know, when we get, when we talk about that, uh, cause I still talk to those cats and they're like, and they're like, yeah, so as long as there's no gelatinous cube, we'll be cool. And it's like, oh, man, I remember that. That was awful. <laughs> That's a great trap. Yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, and it only really worked because of the two characters that had gone off on their own. If the rest of us had been there, we we wouldn't have had a problem. We would have just hoisted them up and then and moved around the obstruction and, uh, you know, gotten out of the hallway so the gelatinous cube could go through. And, Never split the party. Yeah, but you know what was funny? Years years later, um, one of the guys calls me up and he's like, he's like, dude, did you know how genius those dudes were back then and how much drugs they had to do to see into the future? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, so there's this thing. It's called a Roomba. It's a robot that <laughs> cleans your house. 
dude, it's like <laughs> it's like a gelatinous cube that cleaned the dungeon of all the dead people. They they, they knew. <laughs> I'm like, uh, what did you either eat or smoke? But yeah, he was. He, uh, you think about that, and it's like, oh my god, they had Roombas in D and D before there were Roombas in real life. That's badass. I think I think wizards can get up to some crazy stuff. He he denies nothing. You notice? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got nothing to deny. I've been scheming for the last two months. I will say, I you seem. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Jack. I was gonna say uh, you definitely impressed uh, Errol with all of your your spells. He seemed he seemed to dig it. Yeah, he seemed to. Yeah, it was like D&D Rockstar, man. You're you're firing on all cylinders. I was actually pretty coherent this afternoon. It's 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 biting me now. But uh I was actually the most coherent I've been all week, so that was good. It was uh it was fun. It was for sure fun. So uh, what uh what are we looking forward to this weekend? You guys to chew on. We've got to figure out. There's a lot of mysteries we have to make sense out of that Jim forgot about that I wrote down. <laughs> that, are you talking about from today's session specifically or yeah. just in general? We have a cauldron of oversized gold pieces. Each piece is as big as our hand. If that's true, that's worth a hell of a lot more than a single gold piece. We have yeah. 5,000 of those that I dug out. So what the hell are those things worth? So that's yeah. a thing. Um, let me see here. I'll tell you some of the mysteries because the audience might appreciate them we got those black uh, gems that do the uh the poison nullification uh, and andrew was nice enough to give me his after i used mine because he has the poison resistance yeah i'm immune um and so i'm glad you have it and now you've got an extra one which is fun um we got magic magic jar of teddy Ruxman. we've got the <laughs> asgardian daggers uh we've got the staves of hold anything that's interesting um, we've got six male black unicorns that we now own. Um, we uh, didn't get a quest score, so we'll have to ask him for that. For rescuing Sandra, you normally get a number assigned for a quest score. Uh, we didn't get numbers for uh, capturing Teddy Ruxpin. So, you know, a bunch of interesting things to figure out. Okay. We'll see what happens. I definitely know I got... Uh got the level up and uh, I'll be curious to see where everyone is once you're done auditing all of their yeah stuff I'm gonna first I'm gonna audit all the sheets and uh, put them into the calculator so I can at least look and see what the sheets tell us and so then, Nick what oh go ahead no and then I'll just uh, meet with you guys on one-on-one because you probably all have a bunch of science stuff that I'm not smart enough to remember or privy to so so, Nick, what program were you using that uh, was wrong when, when you compared to the mind of, of Wordna? What pro? Oh, um, it's called Character Creator. Let me look through my phone real quick. Oh, Character Creator? Yeah. There's, no, there's character, character Generator or something? There's a hand of the generator systems. Well, yeah. mine's just a spreadsheet. So all I do is have the numbers fill in, auto-fiddle by bucket, and... Uh, you have to remember that you have we have we have a group award which is monsters. We have a ten percent variable for the people who get ten percent. We have individual awards. We have magic items, and we have money. 
uh, all of those things. And then you have um, uh, sometimes things he assigns after the fact. So those six variables uh, radically change uh, your numbers. Okay. Well, we will have to go through that. Yeah. James is going to come back one day and he's like, we're all level 23. Thank you, Werdna. Uh, <laughs> really yell at me because I take a lot of notes. and I mean, it's just because we have so many players in the guild, we have a lot to track. And so we have assigned every session has what's called a scribe. And so the scribe, now that Jim is actually playing in the guild full time, I think he's finding it sort of fascinating to watch the mechanics. Our people have to uh, just like I do, say spells. If you're a wizard, you make up your own language and that's you have spell cards and that has everything written down. And for the priests, they either chant or sing them. So it's very complicated. And, uh, but people have a blast because all you do is get a description of it. You never know the name of it unless you know the magic, which makes it a lot more fun. And we really focus on role playing, which is interesting. And so I think that's good for Jim. And now he's getting into it, which is a riot to watch him play. So good stuff. You guys can sit in if you ever want to watch. I would, I think. Once I finish this uh, book and Jason is not mad at me anymore. (laughs) And we vote tomorrow night. The the, the, uh, guild masters, the GMs for each guild votes tomorrow night to find out if they're going to allow us to start streaming this stuff and let it be seen publicly. So that'll be an interesting conversation tomorrow. Who knows? You want to borrow my taser? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I think I just killed him. Blow up all over the place. So step one is to to get you over this Rona. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna get the retests tomorrow, so that's gonna be bad. So I'm not excited about that. Are you taking lots of vitamin D? Oh my god, the numbers I'm pumping in. It's good. It's just control of the fever. You know determines my energy level uh, you know i was under i was right at the edge of 100 for the last three days so that's been really good because i can think coherently higher numbers you're just blah. and damn tired so too many hours too many hours and the person who infected you they're all better now no no two of my children have it and uh oh man um my wife and of course well we don't know if she's got it but her symptoms are extremely bad at the moment and getting worse so i'm hopeful she tested negative though so that was a freaking miracle so but she's probably gonna get retested too so we'll see not good stuff for the uh immune having no immune system not fun and yet you still sit down and play with us and go through step by steps on how to's like D D for dummies and oh well you know this That's stuff. kind of the bummer bummer thing about being sick is you like you sit there and there's nothing to do but be sick or you could do something. But like for me, I get so wiped out. I just sit there and go, I'm sick, 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 I'm sick. I have too many people up there, so I don't have the time. So, yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm on the edge right now because it's hard to hold it all together some nights. So. We'll, see. well, maybe we should wrap this up and let you get some rest. Right well, I only maybe four hours till Taiwan gets online. So, oh, actually, <laughs> two hours now. So you're right. That would be a good idea. <laughs> <That would be laughs> Dear good. Lord, and I thought I, I thought I had the market cornered on no sleep. 
uh, we want to thank the chat for coming out and uh, spending some time as we uh, recount the uh, zany mishaps of the day. Uh, we are just proud that JR didn't uh, stray from the beaten path and, uh, you know, stick something uncomfortable in somewhere unpleasant. Um, oh, <laughs> he's got a royal wedding. He's, uh, he's definitely done well. So uh, uh, we appreciate everybody coming out, and we'll catch you next time when sci-fi writers are playing old school D&D. Thank you, Rob. Good night.